Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Voorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. And I'm excited for you to be with us today because we're continuing in our series called Hidden Figures. And Pastor Nathan McWhorter uh, gives us a bit of history on origin. Uh, he's one of the uh, more well known church fathers, African church fathers, and he's uh, going to specifically key in on how origin sort of traces the, the presence of the Holy Spirit all throughout the scriptures. And so I think you're really going to enjoy this one and learn a lot. I want to remind you for our first time or maybe second time listeners, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do so so that you can uh, get updates from us and hear news and um, be made aware when new podcasts come out. Uh, I want to let you know that we're going to be doing one that's a that's not a sermon in I think two weeks, and I'm going to be meeting with our youth director and talking a little bit more about youth ministry actually. So uh, be look looking forward to that one. Also, I uh, want to encourage you if you would like to consider giving a gift to Life Church, um, a financial investment to the work that we get to be a part of that. Yeah, it makes an impact for the kingdom of God, I would strongly encourage you to prayerfully consider doing that. And you can uh, go to our give page. It's lifechurchcanton.org slash give. And that has all of the instructions for how to give. It also tells you how your giving makes an impact. So now here's Nathan with the sermon. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if it's your first time, I know there are a few of you I won't make you get up or I won't look directly at you and embarrass you, but I'm glad that you are here, especially in this time. Yeah, give them a round of applause. That's... Bob's really excited about new people. Uh, I am too. Um, it is hard in this season to be trying out churches, so welcome here. I am grateful online if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe you're checking in later during the week or later today on Sunday as you want to be part of what's happening here. We're in this series called Hidden Figures, and it is based on these people in our past, these Christian leaders from our way past, over 1,500 years ago. These brothers and sisters, these individuals uh, contributed so much to what we experience today, but we don't think about them much. And on top of that, uh, all the ones we're going to be talking about, they come from Africa. They are not this skin tone. That is not who they are. And we just don't realize that names we throw out, even Christians who've been around for a while, names that we throw out that we know of, we don't realize their heritage and what they come from. And so for Black History Month, we're doing some church history month, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I loved last week. It was incredible. Today, we're going to talk about a guy named Origen. Now, this one you may not know too much, but he was born in 185. 185. That is a long, long time ago. That's 150 years after the death of Jesus. This guy, Origen, he, he's a hidden figure, and he is old. Now, I'm not going to offend anyone by saying that that is an old dude. Like, he's from a long time ago. He was perhaps the uh, original. I know, that's lame. That was, that was a bad joke. Uh, no, I didn't misspell it. His name is actually E-N. He was around for a long time. Now, his parents, they were heathens. They didn't believe in anything, um, and they converted and radical transformation and raised him up following Jesus Christ. Now, 
this is only 150 years after Jesus died. This is like the Wild West of Christianity. And there was a lot of persecution at this time. They raised him to know the Old Testament, to, to know the letters that were being circulated at the time from Paul and from the Gospels. It was, it was an interesting, incredible time. But his parents, his parents were going through some persecution. And when he was only 15 years old, 15 years old, his father was being put on trial for his faith, which would result most likely in his death. True persecution. Now, Origen was raised in such a way that he wanted to stand next to his father in trial, to stand with him and saying, I am here with him, not just support him, but to say, I will incur whatever punishment my father will get, I will get as well. He attempted to do it, but his mother saved his life. The way that his mother saved his life is while he was sleeping, he stole all, she stole all of his clothes and hid them so that he would have to appear at trial naked and in so doing saved his life because his father was killed for his faith, tried, persecuted, and put to death. They seized all of their possessions. And all of a sudden, Origen is 15 years old with a mother and has nothing. But his faith remained strong. My question, before we go any further, because at 15 years old, this young man at the time decided to put his life on the line. Question, students, do you have that kind of faith? Do you? I don't know. You don't know until you're put in that position. But it is something to strive for. Maybe you aren't sure if you have that kind of faith. I want to encourage you that you have a gift in knowing Jesus at this early age. Origen took advantage of it, and it produced a faith inside of him that you're going to see some things that he'd done and realize that that could be the same for you, that you could have the kind of impact on this world that this man did. Parents, are you raising your children to have that kind of faith? Are you? What kind of devotion are you showing in your life to your kids? Are you teaching them sacrifice and dedication, or are you catering to them? We don't talk about people who got catered to much. We talk about people who lived a life for Jesus. I want my children to live a life for Jesus. This should be inspirational. Origen went on to get some help. Some people helped him out, but he ended up living a life of poverty his entire life. He went on to write 6,000 papers and books, 6,000 works. In the proverbial Wild West of Christianity, under intense persecution, Origen wrote and wrote and wrote and fought for truth. He was an OG, the theological OG, the first to create a theological rule. So what do I mean by that? Before the creeds, before the creeds existed, he wrote something called the rule. It was a way of understanding the word of God. Before any of this existed, he was the first to do that. He was the first to create a systematic theology, which we'll talk more about, just this entire understanding of the word of God. He was one of the first non-Jewish people to learn, speak, read, and interpret Hebrew, meaning he could read the Old Testament in its original language. He was the first to propose which gospels and letters should be in the New Testament, which eventually became what we had today. 
He wanted to teach people to read the word of God and get excited about it. He was clearly passionate about it, but there was nothing good enough to teach them. So he created something called the Hexapla, which took six translations of the Old Testament, six of them, put them together side by side, and then wrote a commentary about each of them. He took the Hebrew and the transliteration into Greek. He took the Septuagint and three other versions and put them together. Why? Because he wanted to teach from it. There was only one, really, that existed, and he taught people about the Word of God, which we're going to find out more about what he preached. Origen was the most prominent scholar of the first couple of centuries. The most prominent scholar by far. So much of what he contributed, we built on to what you experience today. But he also fought against heresy. Heresy is believing something wrong about God. And this stuff was popping up. It was the Wild West, like guns blazing. Stuff was happening. Heretics were all over the place. There was a guy named Marcion, and there was Gnostic way of thinking, Marcionism and Gnosticism. Now, if that reminds you of something, it's because we talked about it last week. But they rejected the Old Testament, which obviously Origen was excited about. Said that the God of the Old Testament was a different God than the God of the New Testament. That he was less than and angry and hateful. They said that the flesh was evil. The world is evil. And the flesh sinned. The, the spirit, the soul was actually good. It just needed to get rid of this sinful body. It denied the need for Jesus to save our body, to save all of us. And all they needed was to have a special knowledge to transcend. If you could just have this special kind of knowledge, you could transcend in response to this, Origen created new methods for interpreting scriptures that are still in use today. He taught to read the scripture literally, morally, and allegorically. Have you ever heard a preacher go back into the Old Testament and say, now here's the story uh, about what happened in the Old Testament, and then point and say, now this actually points not just to this, but beyond to Jesus? Have you ever heard that? He was the first one to do that. He dove in and found Jesus in the Old Testament. Through his 6,000 papers and books, his hexapla and his approach to the Old Testament, he fought this heresy and he proved that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were present since before the beginning of time. What our understanding of Trinity was built on by Origen. And without Origen, we would have a dead faith, for without the Trinity, we are truly lost. Origen elevated the view of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Pauline letters and gospels. He was driven by new life so that people could experience. He had to. He'd do whatever it takes, wherever it took him, even under persecution, so that people would know their God. It's incredibly powerful. So why is that important to us today? Why should we care about Origen? Some of you are history buffs and you're like, just talk about history. You could do that all day and I wouldn't even care if there's a point. Others are like, I get enough history at school. I don't need to know history. This doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to tell you why this is important to us today, right now. One, this is the whole part of our series. Understanding our past enables us to appreciate what has been done for us and to celebrate the diversity of what's happening in our life. 
We need to recognize the diversity of our past and what they have given us. Origin, our North African brother from 2,000 years ago almost, represents our past, our Christian past. Our Christian past is not one color. It's all the colors. And we have been able to build on that. And that should give us joy. There's diversity in it. It's something to celebrate. But we also need to recognize what it costs. Origin lived during great persecution. And he was tortured horribly. So horribly that he got out of the torture, but it ended up killing him, suffering for a year, a year after he died. He died for what he believed. See, he got his wish. He got his wish to stand before men and profess that Christ was king. But instead of a 15-year-old boy, he did it when he was a man who left a legacy that you experience today. That's powerful, and we need to remember that. But second, this is what I want to focus on today. You may still live as if the heretics had won. If the heretics, the Gnostics, the Marcionists, as if they had won. You may not realize that Origen's a hidden figure. His contributions have simply just been hidden. But what he fought against may have snuck into the way we live our life, into our praxis. We may still live as the Gnostics and the Marcionites, as heretics, because we, in our actions, show that we believed what they believed. So I want to dive into one thing that Origen is still teaching us today that has built upon, and our faith shows us this. Origen showed us the other hidden figure, the Holy Spirit. The one we don't talk about that often. The one that when I say the Holy Spirit, we start talking about the Holy Spirit being here means a million different things to a million different people. But I'm going to stick to what he talked about and what he was fighting against. See, the heresy viewed the Old Testament God as different. They denied the Trinity. And Tertullian, he fought against this. Jared spoke about him last week. You should go check it out. I want to give a perspective. While Tertullian was writing against this heresy, Origen's father was being killed in that same year. So perspective, these guys are contemporaries. Origen joined the fight. And I want to highlight one aspect of the 6,000 works and all the things that he wrote about, which is the Holy Spirit, the one we don't talk about all the time. Listen, his view of the Holy Spirit goes against the heresy of the day, and it has to do with the heresy sometimes in our own hearts and the way we live Origen had a high view of the Holy Spirit as God there from the very beginning, (laughs) from before the beginning. And if we want to encounter all of who God is, if we want to encounter Jesus, encounter God, we also need to encounter the Holy Spirit. So Genesis 1-2 says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is the Holy Spirit present in creation, present and moving. Genesis 1, just a few verses later. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals 
and all the creatures that move along the ground. This is the Holy Spirit in creation. The Holy Spirit was active then through the Old Testament, through all of the prophets, through the warriors and the kings of Israel, like David, who had the Spirit of God inside of him. The Holy Spirit is moving through that. And then when we get to the New Testament, the, old, uh, the Holy Spirit participated in the formation of Jesus' body in Mary's womb. We're learning this from origin. The Holy Spirit led us back to God after Jesus' incarnation provided us healing. What do I mean by that? Because Jesus came as a man, fully God, fully man, and he lived a perfect life, and then he died as a sacrifice, we can have a relationship with God. But the Holy Spirit is always the one who draws us. Every single time we get together, we talk about Jesus Christ, and we invite people to follow him or recommit their lives to him. We're going to do that again today, but it's the Holy Spirit, not my words. It's the Holy Spirit, not the lighting. It's the Holy Spirit, not some clever way of saying thing, things that draws people to this moment of repentance and healing. The Holy Spirit desires and empowers us to return to that perfect relationship with God that was in the beginning this moment where we don't need anyone else to tell us who we are because God tells us who we are. This beautiful moment, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do that. Do you understand the hidden figure that's inside of you? He sanctifies us and assimilates us into the community of worshipers online and in person. He brings us into community. We only have unity together because of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me tell you, if you look at any organization in the world right now, it's a hot mess, isn't it? Most organizations are a hot mess. And guess what? We're a hot mess too. Seriously, you can laugh. That's funny. Like we're, we're a hot mess as a church. But because of the unity of the Spirit, it draws us together in something that's bigger than us. And the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He cries out with us in our heart. He is with us. Now, in every book, chapter, and letter of the Bible, Origen traced the breath of the Holy Spirit. Origen traced the breath of the Holy Spirit through all of Scripture. Do you like that idea? I love that imagery, almost like there's this, this breathing on. The Holy Spirit took the words and just breathed on it. And that we can find the Holy Spirit in every moment. He said it this way, the wisdom of God has penetrated to all the inspired scriptures as far as the slightest letter. Origen dedicated his life for us to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing and then build on it. He helped us discover the hidden figure of the Holy Spirit and he said, without this Holy Spirit moving, there is no life. You, you can't read this without him. When we participate with the Spirit, we become one with all of God. We get to be one like they are one. Our soul is blended with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit does something to us. It bears supernatural fruit in our lives. It gives us spiritual gifts to participate in the work, the relentless pursuit of one more, to do whatever it takes, it is inside of us. And Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is the indication of health and vitality, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It goes on and on. These are what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. And Origen reminded us that without the Holy Spirit, we can't even understand his word. Now, in some aspects, 
we have made the Holy Spirit a hidden figure. We said this Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures, right? The Word of God is, is our only truth, and we just need to study, 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 study this. And while Origen would agree that the Word of God is the Word of God, he says without the Holy Spirit, you cannot understand it. If you do not have a relationship with God, you cannot truly be transformed by it. And you have to remember, Origen was writing in the Wild West, meaning when he's talking about it, he's talking primarily about the Old Testament, some Gospels, but there wasn't a full canonization yet. He's saying, no, our reliance on the Holy Spirit is crucial. And I believe that our view of the Holy Spirit is too low. We don't spend enough time. Maybe we think, well, the only thing that Holy Spirit does is help us read the word of God. No, he is the life inside of each of us. The Holy Spirit gives life to every part of your Christian experience for those who know God. Now, I want to go into this one verse or this one section of, of verses. I think it's so crucial. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you haven't. But it's in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Rest in this a moment. It's not too long. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, why this set of verses? Why would I talk about this right now? You remember earlier I said we might still live as if the heretics had one? What does that mean? Well, our view of the Holy Spirit is too low, so we're not spending enough time on that. We've agreed in our praxis what the Marcion and the Gnostics believed in their theology. They refused the Trinity. They refused that God had been telling one story with Jesus and the Holy Spirit present at the very beginning all the way through all of the Old Testament into now. They refused that. It's something else. It's not important. We're only going to stick here. But there is a beauty of what God is doing to redeem all of humanity. And what they did in the same time is they said that our creation is evil and broken. It was created by this old God, and it needs to be destroyed. They viewed your body, our bodies, as evil. We don't sin. Our bodies sin. Our spirit inside of us is really good. We just need to escape our evil bodies. The goal was to free your spirit from your body. Yet we see in Corinthians, what do you not know? That your bodies are temples. Do you not know that your body is a temple? Something's wrong here. That doesn't make any sense because which one is it? Well, the word of God says your body is a temple. And this word temple is naos. It means the sacred shrine, the sanctuary, the place where deity is dwells, where deity dwells, where God dwells. If this is true, then something incredible is happening in those who have chosen Christ. It clearly says right here that those who have been purchased by Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit. He's in you, and you are a temple. What does this mean? It means every single one of you who follow Jesus, you're a temple, and if you don't follow Jesus, you could be a temple to God to the force that created everything, the power. Do you hear how I said God right there? I said it like Daniel says, like God, because it just sounded bigger. It sounded better. It sounded more, more impressive. More God, yes. More godly, yes. Do we take that for granted? I think we do. I think we're overwhelmed by the idea that we're a temple. The other thing is it gives dignity to the whole of life, to 
everything you do. It gives a dignity to it, to all lives, such as nothing else could do because you are sacred. You are sanctified. You are a place of worship, your body. And some of you are like, I, haven't, I, can't, I don't even understand what that means. There's something that we need to dwell on. Wherever we go, we are the bearers of the Holy Spirit, the temples in which God is pleased to dwell. God dwells within you. Okay, so how then do we live as if we're heretics? Because you keep saying this, and I don't like when you say it, and so you need to prove that we're heretics. Well, we live as if we're heretics because we don't treat our bodies as temples. We live as if our bodies are not temples. I'm going to show you three ways we do this, and I'm going to give you some action steps because this is practical. We need to make some corrections. First, we denigrate our bodies. We denigrate our bodies. What does denigrate mean? It means to criticize unfairly, to disparage, to belittle, to diminish. We denigrate our bodies. Now, perhaps we don't like our human bodies. I mean, maybe we're like, oh, I'm so annoyed with it. The older I get, more things fall apart. I don't like the way that my skin hangs there. I don't like this part of my body. There's all kinds of issues with mine. Like, I don't always like the way I look in certain things, and, but I also have some issues. I have a, an eye issue, and I have a heart issue. I'm okay. Don't worry about it. Like, it's, it's fine. It's just not perfect. And you could list all the things wrong with your body, couldn't you? But Though imperfect, your body is a temple. It holds the Holy Spirit. You're a temple dedicated to something, to worshiping God. So when we denigrate our body, we're denigrating a temple to God. So no matter how you feel about your body, whether you like it or not, whether you feel trapped in it or not, the truth, the truth with supersedes what your feelings may tell you is that you are a temple to the Holy Spirit. So my question to you is, do you believe that your body is a temple? Not just here, but here. Do you act as if your body is a temple? Are you unkind to your body? Are you unkind to your personality, to who you are? Do you constantly denigrate yourself? Because if you do, you're denigrating the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, isn't it? If you know Christ, you're a temple to a force, the person, the God who created the entire world. You can encounter the Holy Spirit every single day inside of you. So no matter how you feel about the wrappings, the gift is good. So right into it. Here's what I want you to do if you're struggling with this. And honestly, for most of us, we need to do this. We need to write a journal of thankfulness for the body you have been given. Now, I know it's not perfect, and someday it will be perfect. God will give you a new one, but he has given it to you now, and it's a temple. So you need every day for seven days, just for one week, from now until next Sunday, I want you to write down one thing, one thing that you're thankful for. Maybe it's a body part that you like. I don't know. Something you can do that others can't do or just do that, that makes you happy. Or you can be thankful that you can move, that you have life. We need to be thankful. And that's the only way to, to fight it. Students, young men, young women, I strongly encourage you to do this. The strains that are on you right now, 
what the world tells you about your body right now, it's worse than it's ever been. And I can say that with confidence. I'm getting older, but I can still remember what it was like in high school. This is nothing. What I experience is nothing to what you are experiencing now. I encourage you, if you're struggling with your body, to reach out to people who trust, who can encourage you, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you may not feel that way. Talk to your small group leaders. Get involved in our midweek small groups. If you're not involved, reach out because your body is something that God created. Adults, we need to do this too. Some of us never got over the frustrations we had with our body in high school. Never. And yet, it is a beautiful temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's number one. We denigrate our bodies. We can't, you know, have a temple of the Holy Spirit and call it trash, right? But second, we treat our bodies as trash dumps, not temples. We throw a lot of trash in our bodies. What do I mean? Well, let's just start with food. What are you putting into your mouth? Are you treating your body as a temple to the Holy Spirit? Or are you just putting in it all kinds of terrible things? Are we eating healthily? Are we treating our body with respect? Now, I'm not saying become a temple to whole foods, right? We don't have to go crazy with that. But we do need to realize that what we put in our body matters. We're not our own. We're not our own. Our bodies have been purchased. We're temples. And what we put in it matters. What are you putting into the temple? Second, it's not just food. It's what we see. What we see, what we put in our eyes. What are you putting into your eyes right now? What are you looking at? Matthew 6, says the eye is, this is Jesus speaking, the eye is the lamp of the body. It is. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, when you think about the temple, what does that make you think? Oh, man, there's a Holy Spirit inside of me. Am I filling it with darkness? But that verse goes on a little further, and it says, If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What is it inferring here? Well, it's not negative. It's not light or dark. Now, this is where we get outside of physics, okay? So, like, light is, you know, makes darkness go away. Darkness is the absence of life. But here it's saying if you put darkness inside of you, it becomes a light, but what it spreads is darkness around you. So maybe watching Bridgerton is not a great idea. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit rest on you. Maybe filling our eyes with books we shouldn't be reading that don't produce good things. Maybe filling our eyes with violence. Filling our eyes with the spectacle of Twitter and Facebook and CNN and Fox over and over. Maybe we're filling our eyes with darkness. How great then is that darkness? Missing the power of the word of God because we've filled our eyes with so many other things. Hmm. Substances. I know this is hard stuff. Listen, substances, drugs, alcohol. Perhaps we are numbing this pandemic by overindulging in alcohol. Maybe we're getting through not on the word of God, but on drugs and alcohol, abusing Drugs, taking drugs that aren't any good no matter when you take them. 
This is hard. On top of that, not just overindulging and taking them, but addiction. Addiction is very real. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we're struggling with this. We need help to overcome. We need accountability with each other, or maybe sexually. Now, this scripture here, if you go back and read it, and I encourage you to do that, this is talking not just about our whole life, but it's talking about sexual immorality. I won't spend just a little bit of time on this one, but we sin against our own bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we step outside of God's desire for sex. Sex between a man and a woman in marriage. That's where it belongs. Outside of that, it doesn't. And we sin against our body when we do this. Now, this one is hard. Statistically speaking, in the room and online, this is the one we struggle with maybe the most. It's what we do sexually. The scripture is telling us something. It says here, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? This beautiful thing. Then it says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. That price, that price was Jesus. He died for you. He purchased you with his blood and we have freedom in that. But you're not your own anymore. You said, I'm gonna live for Jesus. And then it says, therefore, honor God with your bodies. This one I pray about constantly. This one I struggle through to say, okay, am I feeding myself? Am I looking at the right things? Am I using substances in a way that honors God? And I sexually active in a way that honors God? Am I looking to see that I am filling my temple with good things or darkness? Now, sidebar. We are forgiven for how we sin against God. Thank you, God, that this is not a sermon about shame, but it is a sermon about conviction because sometimes the temple needs swept out and the junk removed. The Holy Spirit's role is to convict. The Holy Spirit who's inside of you is supposed to use the word of God to make it come alive inside of you so that you can hear him. So what you're feeling right now, if it's shame, it's not of God. But if it's conviction, this idea that, no, I do need to change, that's the Holy Spirit. Do not ignore that voice. In Timothy, we learn that they have ignored the Holy Spirit and they have seared their conscience. Seared it so it feels nothing. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. Do not ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and realize that we are to do this together. You belong. No matter what you came in here with, you belong together. Together we can do this. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who dwells within each of us. And we, as a result, are no longer free to use our bodies apart from that recognition the recognition of the presence of the Spirit within us. We were bought at a price which God did not hesitate to pay. Thank God. And through his Son, we must respond in gratitude by what? Honoring God with our bodies, with our whole being. So what's the action step for this one? Well, first, you might need to consult a dietitian or a fitness consultant. That sounds so cliche, but it's true. You may need help in creating new habits to get healthy physically. Second, you may need to go on a social media fast. I say this all the time. 
And people keep talk coming to me, and I ask them, have you done a social media fast? And they're like, no. And I'm like, do that first, then come back to me. I've been keep telling you this because we are filling our eyes with darkness. And so, of course, the darkness overwhelms. If we get away from it for a moment, the Holy Spirit can rise. Next, is to confess to a, a life group or to a trusted person your need for accountability. You need someone to pour into you, students and adults, to help keep you accountable to the things you are doing to your temple. If our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, I want to take a moment to say this, then so is our brother's and our sister's body. Too often we dishonor others' bodies. We dishonor them. What do I mean? Our friends at school are going through a difficult time (laughs) physically, High schoolers, you know this. It's a weird time, and maybe you don't see them all the time just on Zoom, which is terrible. Anyone like who is anybody hates looking at themselves on Zoom all the time. I'm just going to be honest. That is, I don't enjoy it. I'm working on it to love what God has created, but man, it's it's not great. Do you know cosmetic surgery, uh, facial cosmetic surgery, has skyrocketed because people have to look at themselves all day? We struggle with this, but don't add to it by making fun of other bodies. Listen, they are either temples of the Holy Spirit because they know Jesus Christ or they are potential, potential temples to the Holy Spirit. Imagine that perhaps if you mock a temple of the Holy Spirit, you may be offending the Holy Spirit. That put a new perspective on what you're thinking. Like if you're making fun of someone physically, You actually are making fun of one, just the creation of God, but also potentially the presence of God is inside that. Bad idea. Bad idea. Maybe that'll help you not do it to not offend the Holy Spirit, but to value the individual. You need to recognize, too, that if this is true, then the difference in the color of our skin doesn't mean that people are less than. That just because the skin looks different or people act differently or they have a different background than you doesn't make them any less than a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the same goes true if you look at them and in your mind you think less of them. You're thinking less of what God has created. Perhaps the way you think about those who are different than you is offensive to the Holy Spirit. And maybe that's a new way of thinking through this and embracing this I'm not talking about what Fox or CNN thinks. I'm only concerned with the word of God. And I'm concerned that we are looking at temples of the Holy Spirit and treating them as less than and also missing out on the opportunity to experience worship of God through them. Learn not to distance yourself, but to embrace each other. I want you, if you're struggling with this, and this is a bigger conversation, but you want to learn to grow to appreciate what God is doing in everyone, but specifically our brothers and sisters of color, to sign up for Be the Bridge. This is what it's designed to do, to challenge those thoughts inside of us that are not of God and to do it in community together, in conversation, in vulnerability. This is how the world changes. You can sign up for Be the Bridge on the Now page right now. That's why we call it that, I know. It's a joke, it's old, but (laughs) the Holy Spirit is the power to overcome sin and he lives inside of you. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the one who is in you. How will you know when you changed, when you find yourself thanking God more than complaining, when you find your eyes clear and your heart light, and when you see your life come alive with healthy fruit? I want to keep moving forward. Uh, But the last, uh, with the last thing as we close, 
Our bodies are already temples to other things. So we denigrate our bodies, we fill our bodies with junk, but we also are already temples to other things. The Gnostics dedicated their lives to more and more knowledge, to special knowledge, to arrogance, to humanism. I can pull myself up. I can do incredible things. I can have more special knowledge than other people. We don't do that, right? We don't do that anymore. We just dedicate our lives to the success of our own business to how many degrees we can have, how many years we've been part of an organization, what kind of house do we have, what kind of parties are we invited to, who seeks us out for information. See, we have become temples to other things. We're putting up posters in the temple of God, tiny pieces of ornate paper called degrees. We are putting up all these things to become temples to other things. And many of us, some of us, have even made our physical body a temple, meaning I want to be physical perfection. We are so good at putting up idols, but in reality, in our own heart, the Holy Spirit is there. When the creator of all things is in you, nothing that you can do can become something worthy of worship, only him. We're crowding the temple with junk when the very presence of God is there, and spring is coming. It's time to clean the house. We have to clean out the cobwebs. We have to know what it means to purge our hearts of the things that we have fixed our eyes on that are not the Holy Spirit. And I want to finish with this. A couple more action steps for this one. First is in prayer. Take a moment to recognize that the Holy Spirit is in you. We're going to do that in just a moment. But I encourage you to do that every day this week. And then I want you to look in the Word of God, the Word of God for the Holy Spirit's breath from the very beginning, from Genesis 1-2 all the way through to Revelation Origen believed that the Holy Spirit has existed from the beginning, was part of creation. He exists through all of the scriptures as the ultimate author and the one who helps us understand. The Bible is inspired by God but can't be truly understood without the Holy Spirit. So dive into it. I want us to read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. One more time. Will you stand with me? What I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to read this scripture, and I want you to read it as a prayer. I want you to close your eyes. You can just listen. And then when I'm done, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to be here in a moment. Then we're going to worship God. But for some of you, this might be the first time you've experienced the Holy Spirit. I encourage you just to rest in it. This is a safe place. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. God, I pray that as your spirit moved over the waters in Genesis that you would move over us. That you would come and that spirit would fall. And God, that's just us recognizing that you are here amongst us, that we as your temples are joined together by your spirit. I pray that in our hearts, those who have maybe stilled the voice or never heard the voice, even though we know Jesus, that that spirit would rise and speak to us we would learn to treat our bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. 
for those who do not know you, who haven't been bought with a price yet, who haven't accepted that gift of Jesus Christ, and so haven't received the Holy Spirit, that now in this moment they would choose to pray, that choose to encounter Jesus, to encounter the Trinity, to encounter all of who God is. And they do this by accepting the gift you have given them. So those who need to commit their lives or recommit their lives in this moment, pray they would pray this prayer with me out loud or in their heart, recognizing that God is in this place as we worship him. But say something like this out loud or in your hearts. God, I need someone to rescue me. I have brokenness in my life. I cannot fix it. I am separated from you and I have no way to fix it. But Jesus, he came and died for me to pay that price so that we can know each other again, God. Today, I choose to accept that. I choose to let Jesus into my heart, to let the Holy Spirit in, to be remade and reborn, and to follow you for the rest of my days. Well, once again, thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that uh, you've been inspired by it, that um, even if for those of you who prayed along with Nathan to uh, sort of welcome the Holy Spirit into your life, maybe in a brand new way, um, we uh, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate that with you. And so you can connect with us and we can help you take these next steps, uh, no matter where you're at in the world listening to this podcast. Uh, we truly mean that. We want to connect with you. And so the best way to do that is by going to our now page. It's lifechurchcanton.org slash now. And um, right at the top there, there's a button that says connect card. And you can click on that and fill out some information about yourself. And then we will be in touch with you as soon as we can. Uh, but I hope you're having a wonderful day. And we will be back here again soon.